0: Welcome, fellow brave believers. This is the Kingdom Cast, and I'm Sean Griffin, your host here on Kingdom in Context. Thanks for joining us, everyone, tonight. We're we'll be talking about a really fun topic. Well, I think it's fun. It's the Book of First Enoch, and we're going to go over one of his chapters where he actually gives us brief visions of the future from his standpoint. So he was alive in the seventh generation after Adam, and so therefore, from that point forward till the end of time, he gives us a snapshot of each era, so to speak, and what, what it's looked like. And, uh, we're going to review that tonight, um, briefly. So it gives us a nice little summary, like a cliff notes, if you will. <laughs> so I just want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, activity in the chat already. That's so encouraging guys. Um, it's like so interesting to me that like most of my life, I just wanted to talk about the Bible with people. And that's, that's really all it boiled down to. I just wanted to know it better, understand it, talk about it. it. It gives me energy. I don't know how to explain that other than just, you know, God dropping his spirit because we're talking about the, the word of God, but it gives me energy and I, I love talking about it. So, um, it's so encouraging to see people that are showing up night after night to join me in this journey of, of this, key, of these podcasts, Um, to just discuss scripture with me, you know, because you'd be surprised how many times I've been at a, some sort of Bible study or youth group or something like that growing up. And like, people just didn't care about the Bible. They were there for the fellowship. They were there for the other people. They liked the interaction, the social club of it, if you will. But I was just that word nerd, you know, I just want to know the Bible better. So um, we're going to be looking at some more scripture tonight, specifically pertaining to prophecies that, that, you know, span all of history, basically, the entirety of, of the whole storyline. So, I want to say hello to some people in the chat because there's already a lot of people in here. Um, Whittle King, welcome. I think it, you're saying it's 5 a.m. where you are in South Africa. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for for being up that early to, to join us. <laughs> and uh, yes, thank you, uh, Whittle King. If if everyone would just take his advice and go over to Kingdom Cast channel, it's on my recommended channels here in Kingdom in Context, or you can just type in the YouTube search bar, Kingdom Cast. Go over there, hit hit subscribe. That's my secondary backup channel that um, we're eventually going to be streaming and broadcasting these particular podcasts from that separate channel. So go help us reach 1,000 subscribers so that we can do that. And uh, Callie J is here. Welcome. The Great Deception is back. Welcome. Lion Wings, Christopher Gomez. Welcome, everyone. A Big Red G, Crystal C, um, Texas Sunshine or TX Sunshine. I'm guessing it's Texas. Uh, it's Cindy Hoglin. Welcome. James one twenty two is back. Carla Malberg is back. Welcome. Elias Stewart. Welcome brother. Let um, see. David Shear's is back. Welcome, sir. Good to see you. And electro kingdom truther, the line within us. Welcome everybody. Good to see everybody here. Um, Blue doves is back. Good to see you. All right, guys. It's so good to see everybody at uh, Rose triple sevens here. Welcome. Good to see you back. Uh, if you have any questions, like, you know, I'll always we're going to, we take questions at the end of all this. So you're welcome to ask any questions. There's no bad questions. Um there's people in here that like, from all walks of their, you know, understanding something because I'm like at whatever point in the journey they're at, you know, there's people here that have been studying this book for thirty years. There's been people that studying it for ten months, you know. So Everyone, if you do have a question, by the way, be sure to put it in all caps that way the moderators can see it or I myself can see it when I'm scanning through it and wait till I get to the end of my slides. I've only got like 10 or 11 slides tonight, so I'm going to get to the end of those after I explain some concepts from First Enoch and then uh, and then we'll go into the Q&A. So if you put your question in early, I will not see it because my software doesn't refresh all the way back up. So wait till the Q&A time and then drop your question. That way I can have a better chance of seeing it. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here, everyone. Um, Let's, let's jump right into it. If we can, I just want to also, as always, I want to say thank you to everyone that has uh, supported us. um, Everyone that is continually, you know, supporting us either through Patreon or PayPal or even personal messages or mailbox our PO box that we have. You guys are amazing. You you really help us keep going and keep doing what we're doing. So I just want to thank everybody for that. Uh, We're humbled by your, your generosity and your support. And we just, I mean, man, if apparently it's affecting you the way these words affected me at one point. So that's a, that's like a praise report in itself. That's encouraging to us. It feels like we're, you know, we're not just uh, spitting in the wind here, (laughs) you know, it's like people are picking up what we're putting down. So that's really encouraging. Thank you so much everyone for your, for uh, your love and support. Also, as you see in the bottom of the screen, don't fly by on the ticker. If you learn something tonight, share this video. That's all, that's all it is. It's that simple. You learn something new you didn't know, share the video. That way we can help get around these suppressive algorithms of certain social medias and we can still get the good words out to other people that need to see them and hear them as well. All right. So let's see here. Let's go into, let's start screen sharing real quick and we'll jump into our slides and jump right into 1st Enoch chapter 93. And we're going to look at how Enoch breaks down in a 10 weeks. This is how he describes it, right? He goes through one week at a time and he breaks down short descriptions of different epochs or different ages, uh, time large time periods, if you will. And that's what he calls a week. It's not like a seven day week. It's not even like a Jubilee week, which is uh, 49 years. He, um, or excuse me, a week of years, which is seven years um, or a Jubilee, which is seven weeks of years. So it's not even like that. He breaks it down totally different the way he's trying to organize it. It's kind of like how so many people look at, you know, Daniel and they see that 69th week and then that 70th week and how it's, there's like a big gap in between Enoch does the same thing. So we're going to look at his descriptions um, as well. So here in Enoch chapter 93, and this is uh verse one. It says after that Enoch both gave and began to recount from the books. And Enoch said concerning the children of righteousness and concerning the elect of the world, concerning the plant of righteousness, I will speak these things. Yea." I, Enoch, will declare them unto you, my sons. Guys, what he's saying right here, and right at the very beginning. Remember, we talked about um, on milk and meat a few weeks ago. I talked about how Enoch received all these visions and he read them from the heavenly tablets. Uh, that the ones that the angels had showed him, the ones that they had, the books basically from heaven. Enoch had a chance to read them, and then he copied them. Right, and this is why Enoch is often called the scribe. So he copied down this stuff, and then he goes and he goes to read them off to his, you know, sons and daughter, or Methuselah, I guess I should say. And so this is where. They're written down and saved and preserved for us over time. What's unique about the words of Enoch, as he declares in the opening chapters, chapter one, verse one and two, is that these words that he wrote down, this, this great message, it, it did impact, it did benefit Noah and Methuselah and Lamech and those people in his generation. But it says it was also for a distant remote generation that be going through tribulation. And that is kind of re, reverberated and, and explained again with more detail throughout different scriptures to what we would call the the last days, right? The end times, the generation that leads up to the moments where things get so crazy. The creator's son has to step in and stop it, right? At the appointed time, he returns through the firmament to rout the wicked out. Those who are destroying humans and those who are destroying the earth, the creator's son, Yeshua, he's the one that's been destined to come back and stop that from happening and finally say, that's enough. And we're going to stop all this and we'll let peace reign on the earth. And so, um, this is why he's saying in verse one of Enoch ninety-three, verse one, he's re- he's reading these books that he had inscribed re- re- from heaven, and he's saying concerning the children of righteousness, that's going to be all who are in faith and belief, right? We we would metaphorically or, or uh, synonymously consider quote unquote Israel, and also concerning the elect of the world, right? That's an expounder of the same concept, and then also the concerning the plant of uprightness, and that's a term that's used in Enoch several places. And also in the book of Jubilees, specifically referencing the Messiah. Okay, so it's just trying to help you understand what he's he's about to express. Verse 2, he says, According to that which appeared to me in the heavenly vision, which I had known through the word of the holy angels and have learned from the heavenly tablets. And Enoch began to recount from the books and said, I was born the seventh in the first week, while judgment and and righteousness still endured. So right there, he's qualifying that his lifespan was in what what he considered the first week. So when we look at Jubilees and Genesis, and we kind of see a time frame of how long those patriarchs lived, and we see when Enoch was born, we're like, okay, well this dude, you know, he's calling the first week a pretty large swath of time, you know, at least a thousand years. So that's something to consider as we go forward in this. It's not it's not consistent every single time. What like. If you were to take do the do the count on the genealogy and look at when Enoch was born, that's not him qualifying the duration of a week. That's just him saying during this epoch of time that he calls week one, that's when he was born. And he's going to go on to explain week two as well. And so this is, um, he says, And after me, though, shall arise in the second week. There shall arise in the second week, great wickedness and deceit, Shall have sprung up, and in it there shall be the first end, and in it a man shall be saved. And after it ended, unrighteousness shall grow up, and a law shall be made for the sinners. Now, this is a brief dis, dis- summary, Excuse me, a brief summary of what we see when the watchers descend, and they teach evil. The Nephilim, the children of the watchers, they reign. Right, lawlessness, violence everywhere. Genesis six five. Noah is saved from the flood. Genesis six nine, through the rest of chapter eight. And then the kingdom of Babel arises after the flood. Okay. So this is the moment where he's briefly describing that great wickedness and deceit shall spring up and in it, there shall be the first end and the man shall be, excuse me, I said that wrong. And after it, after the flood it ended, unrighteousness shall grow up. And this is the the kingdom of Babel that happens and emerges after the flood, approximately 200 years after Noah gets off the boat. And this is where it says, then a law is made for sinners. So then you've got, We're leading into the Mount Sinai moment. So this is what he's defining that whole time period and all those events. He's referring to that as week two. Okay. So let's go to week three real quick. So it says in week three, and after that, in the third week at its close, a man shall be elected as the plant of righteous judgment and his posterity shall become the plant of righteousness forevermore. And guys, this is the Genesis 15 moment. So this is a unique concept where we actually get a definitive time period at which I believe is when Abraham was 99 years old. That's the end of week two. And then the beginning of week three is when you have Abraham getting this covenant of the promise, which is his seed would lead to the Messiah. And this was the the beautiful promise. So that's... um, that's week three, and then we'll go into week four real quick. And it says and after that, in the fourth week, at its close. So now he's talking about once you're already in the fourth week and yet you're into the fourth week, visions of the holy and righteous shall be seen. So all that time that, that Noah, or excuse me, Abraham was alive, he had, you know Isaac and Jacob. And those several hundred years that they lived and then all their children flourished in Goshen and Egypt uh, before they you know, were taken into captivity and then oppressed and then saved through the Exodus with Moses and Aaron. And that whole story leading to Mount Sinai, that all encompassed the third week. And then we're leading into at some point, the fourth week happened during that time. And what and he's trying to say at the close of the fourth week was when visions of the holy and the righteous shall be seen and a law for all generations and an enclosure shall be made for them. And this is the summer, summation of the events that happen at Mount Sinai. The children of Israel are brought out of Egypt and taken to Mount Sinai where they see visions of the holy and the righteous, the father's angels. As we've talked about on many different episodes, what they actually they saw, the Elohim, the the and uh, in, in Exodus twenty four ten, It's kind of generic translation in the English. It just says they saw the God of Israel. But that's the word Elohim. Right. And we have from Jubilees and other pla- passages that there are angels up there giving the law from the almighty to Moses, because Moses can't truly see um, uh, the almighty. We know that, right? But we're told in great detail that his angels are up there, help mediating, giving him the information and helping out. That's what the entire book of Jubilees is actually about. And this is where, um, that's at the close of the fourth week, visions of the holy and righteous will be seen, a law for all generations, and an enclosure is made for them. So this is the law that is given for all of them, and it's the fullness of the law, and all of its in- details, including the details needed, are, uh, we also call them instructions for to build the actual tabernacle, the enclosure. That's what it's talking about, and that was a pretty large part of the instructions that were given during that time period for the Levites to be able to actually have a mobile temple, if you will, you know? So here, that is at the end of the fourth week. So we jump into the fifth week, according to Enoch and his descriptions. He goes right into, um, oh, hang on a second. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, and then the fifth week at its close, the house of glory and dominion shall be built forever. And this is the, instead of the mobile Temple. This is the standing temple of Solomon that's built. Now, even though it's intended to be the reason why I put permanent because it's intended to not be traveling, you know, like the tabernacle that they would tear down and put back up. This one was a stable building with a foundation that was there for, you know, quite some time. And it was intended to be permanent. But of course, as we know the storyline, they rebelled, they transgressed the covenant, other nations came and invaded them. And they, they suffer the penalty basically of turning their back on the almighty and trying to worship other gods at the same time. And, you know, just not being faithful to his covenant. So this is where, um, at the end of this fifth week, that's when Solomon, this is first Kings chapter eight, and he's accomplishing the building of the temple. And this is, uh, what Enoch is calling the, the end of the fifth week. So we go into the sixth week and it says the Levitical priesthood forsakes righteousness and Yeshua appears, but I apologize. Let me read the, <laughs> Let me read the actual uh, Enochian passage. And uh here it is in verse eight. After that, in the sixth week, all who live in it shall be blinded, and the hearts of all of them shall forsake godless wisdom. And in it, a man shall ascend, and at its close, the house of the dominion shall be burnt with fire, and the whole race of the chosen root shall be dispersed. So, guys, this is this short, short summary of the Levitical priesthood forsaking righteousness. We see that happening, um, leading up to the actual uh, persecution, um, slander, and false, you know, arrest of Yeshua. They kill an innocent man. They turn their back on the one that the father had sent to them. Okay. And this is in that same time period that Shua appears. He's killed. He's resurrected. He ascends to the father after he's resurrected. And then in AD 70, a few years later, a couple decades later, Rome comes in and destroys Jerusalem, burns it with fire, kills about 500,000 people in Jerusalem area. Destroys the temple and the remnants of those who were considered Israelites of that time period were scattered again, just like the Assyrian Babylonian kings that scattered them hundreds of years earlier. Now the Romans come in in AD 70. They scatter them again throughout all the nations of the world. So this is what we call the dispersion, right? This is what Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse four is referring to that when we where we're gathered from is from every all the nations we've been scattered under the heaven. That's where we're gathered at the resurrection. Um, and that is the the great regathering. So let's go into week seven real quick. All right. And so then it says, after that, in the seventh week, shall be an apostate generation arise and many shall its deeds, many shall be its deeds and all its deeds shall be apostate. (laughs) So this is what a lot of us would think that we're experiencing now, which you, you match up some of the prophecies and, uh, in the gospels and thessalonians and revelation and different different places a lot of people think we're experiencing this quote unquote end times this generation of lawlessness now where there's now a lot of people say man there's there's always been lawless that country that's lawless you know Sean what are you talking about like there's still a lot of good people yes I agree with you this is why it, Baruch 27 Apocalypse Abraham chapter 29 13 31 um second is 13 and other other whole chapters of, of prophecy in Isaiah and other places in revelation it's a, it's a cumulative idea that it leads up to this over time. And there's just like Yeshua tries to explain in Matthew 24, it's like a woman going through birth where she's in birth pangs and they get increased with frequency more and more and more as she gets closer to delivering birth. And that metaphor is used as this time of lawlessness where the earth itself is increasing in earthquakes uh, storms, irrational, you know, nature as well as the people on the earth. Are increasing in lawlessness Getting to the point where suddenly the Antichrist has the opportunity to arise Yeshua has to come back, battle of Armageddon Has to happen, like that's, there's a There's a a point of Crisis, almost like, you know, when a woman is ready To give birth and the, the you know, the crown Is at the point of the matrix and, and she's ready To actually deliver, that's the Analogy that's been given for this lawlessness That's increasing over time, so um, Hey, Jubian, thank you, brother, I appreciate The super sticker, man, that's awesome Thanks for, uh, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. So this is what we call week seven. All right. So this is the generation of lawlessness that manifests in the last days leading up to the return of Messiah. And also, as you've seen revelations and, and other, other prophet uh, apocryphal books that you have Yeshua opening the seven seals, which lead to the seven trumpets and also the seven bowl judgments, which happens on the wicked right before he returns. And some of it on the day he returns, which are some of the bowl judgments. So that's, that's what's going on in a brief description in Enoch 93 about week seven. All right. So let's look at week eight real quick. So here in week eight, it says, and, uh, and at its close, they shall acquire houses or excuse me once And after that, there should be another, the eighth week that at the right of righteousness and a sword shall be given to it that a righteous judgment may be executed. On the oppressors and the sinners, and shall be delivered into the hands of the righteous. And at its close, they shall acquire houses through their righteousness. And a house shall be built for the great king in glory forevermore. And after that, he—I uh, won't go into the ninth week yet—but that's that's a quick summation of the eighth week, right? And that, as we see throughout the other prophetic books in Scripture, is the return of Yeshua. The angels round up all the enemies of Yahweh. Okay. This is our Matthew 13, 49 through 51 moment. This is our revelation 19, uh, 19 through 21 moment. Um, This is when they're, they accomplish the battle. They win. And then they're rounding up all the bad guys. This is also the resurrected saints are resurrected. This is Isaiah 26, 19 through 21. And they're taken to the new Jerusalem to be, you know, to their rooms, basically that they're promised. And after descending, after the new Jerusalem descends onto the ground, the nations of the earth will draw to the new Jerusalem for uh, what we see next, which is the sheep and goats judgment of week nine. So this supposedly is when week nine takes place. So basically if you didn't catch that guys week eight, according to how this is broken down and this is what we see, like I said, this is, this is a unique way of, of prophecy that kind of, we see this in other books like Daniel and second Ezra and second Baruch, where and also the apocalypse of Abraham, where each time period is not is the same amount of years, it's not about the it's not about you know the years within that descriptor. It's about the events that take place seems to be what qualifies it from one week to the next. So as you just saw in week eight, all that happened, guys, um, in week eight is what we call the Day of the Lord. So a lot of this happens in just one day. And it's my personal opinion that seven days after Yeshua returns to the sky with angels, the new Jerusalem sets down. Um, That's from everything I've studied. That's, that's the conclusion I've come to. So this is a lot of stuff that's been happening in, in what we call, in what this prophecy calls one week, the eighth week of this prophecy. But yet it's such a short period of time compared to all the other ones, because there's a lot happening in that short period of time now. I do, you know, reserve the right to be wrong. I, I could be wrong about the week, but, you know, the week time period from Yeshua returning and and then also the new Jerusalem setting down, it could be three or four months after Yeshua returns, the new Jerusalem sets down. But from everything I've studied, I feel like it's seven days, but, you know, hey, I could be wrong. So that's. Uh, let's go on to week nine real quick. So it says, and after that in the ninth week, the righteous judgment shall be revealed to the whole world and all the works of the godless shall vanish from the earth and the world shall be written down for destruction and all of mankind shall look to the path of a brightness. And after this, in the 10th week, she well, I should stop. Um, so basically this is the sheep and goats judgment that takes place and the law of God will be taught to the surviving nations, those who have been declared sheep and are spared. So this is what it's talking about right there. The works of godlessness shall vanish from the earth. And the world should be written down for destruction. So that's where the, it's, it's not happening yet. The earth is not going to be happening. There's not a destruction happening yet, but in that that comes after the millennial reign. We're going to get there in just a minute, but that's where it's it's being declared because there is a definitive time period of a thousand years that's being started at this sheep and goats judgment, basically. Okay. So we'll keep going to um, week 10. And so it says, um, and... All mankind shall look to the path of ripeness, and after this, in the tenth week, in the seventh part, there shall be a great eternal judgment in which he will execute vengeance amongst the angels. And I'm going to stop right there real quick, guys, because as you hopefully many of you just noticed, that he says in the tenth week and in the seventh part. <laughs> I don't know how many parts there are in, uh, in the tenth week, but apparently there's at least seven of them. So this is another thing you see in scripture, like even within the weeks, it's broken down into different segments. This is why it it hurts my heart that we don't have the full fragments of all the manuscripts that compile the book of First Enoch. If we did, we may have the rest of these fragments um, from this chapter that would expound on the other six parts of of the 10th week, which basically would be giving us an incredible amount of description about the millennial reign. So that's why I I said, you know, it pains my heart because as much as Enoch knew, and he prophesied about everything from the, from his lifespan till the end of time. And we, and it's just, we get these fragments left to us from history that they've put together in a compilation called first Enoch. That is so sad, you know, to how much detail and description did he, did he get, like, he could have told us everything that's going down in the millennial reign. You know what I mean? And it's uh, some people think that all that information is at the bottom of the Vatican. Who knows? Right. Who knows if it's lost to history, if, if some you know, nefarious group is out there holding on to it because they don't want the average person to know you know, that this information was written down thousands of years ago and validate scripture and the, that you're created and that you don't live on a ball in space and all the things that Enoch talks about. Right. And tells us who our enemy is and how to, you know what I'm saying? So there's so many, so many things in Enoch that are beneficial to us, especially like first Enoch says in chapter one, those who are in our generation going through a great tribulation. So this is this information to know who the bad guy is, where you live, what the end of the story is with the son of man coming out to take the bad guy out. Right. And, and all the unclean spirits and all where the unclean spirits came from. So you're not fooled by the alien deception. Like all this stuff that first Enoch has is these nuggets that prepare you to encounter the lies of this world and to walk through them with truth it's we have an incredible amount to study already but imagine if we had all the books that he did write that <laughs> would have been a blessing and a joy to all of us but either way thankfully we have the prophets of that you know like isaiah ezekiel jeremiah zephaniah amos they do tell us a lot of description about the millennial reign go read isaiah 33 that's a beautiful description of the millennial reign and um you know it's going to be a beautiful place peaceful reign on the earth and you know ezekiel 40 40 through 48 Another description of millennial reign. Well, it's a lot of temple description, land assignment, but then you got it explains how the, the priesthood will reenact. You know, they'll still be going through the feasts. So that means that there'll be all these wonderful feasts every year that we get to participate in the millennial reign. And it's a time of of peace, right? That be of joy. That these are festivals of joy that the creator has for mankind to celebrate and enjoy. So we don't forget who we are, where we came from, and that he, it's okay to be happy. You know what I'm saying? This is. This is a, he has a beautiful message for us. And so, you know, we do have good stuff still in the canon of 66. It's just great compliment to to see, you know, pull in first Enoch as a parallel. So first 16, he finishes and says, The first heaven shall depart and pass away, and a new heaven shall appear, and the powers of the heavens shall give sevenfold light. And this is what I've talked about before in Jubilees chapter 19, where it talks about and Abraham is blessing, um, Jacob. He's not blessing Isaac, blessing Jacob and Rachel or Rebecca is there. Excuse me. Um, Isaac's wife, Rebecca is there. And so granddad Abraham is blessing grandson Jacob. And while he's doing so, he says to him that he may be blessed with the blessing of Adam and Shem or Adam and Seth and, e, and Mahalalel and Enoch and Shem and Noah. So it's the same blessing that that Enoch is walking in, knowing that he's going to get resurrected on the day of the Lord. That's he's seeing all the visions about it. It's that same blessing that Abraham gets as well, right? It's that same blessing that Jacob gets. It's the same blessing that Moses and Aaron are walking in and all the children of Israel. It's the same blessing that you and I today through faith and belief, we walk in which is this promise that the Messiah and his, the father and son, they're going to come back with their house one day and they're going to resurrect us to have eternal bodies to live inside their house with them and never sin again, never mess up, never transgress the instructions for living again. Right. Uh, so that we don't create carnage in our hearts or in other people's lives. We don't create carnage in our own lives. We walk in peace instead of destruction. So this is the the beautiful promise of the covenant. And, and as a result of that, the, the creation itself, this is what verse 16 is talking about. The first heaven, the creation itself has to be renewed and this is what Jubilees 19 mentions in the blessing to, to jacob that even the luminaries will be renewed And the, I can't remember the passage if anyone remembers you're welcome to put it in the comment. It's in isaiah. I think it's in isaiah chapter 30 um, but it's it talks about the sun shining sevenfold with brightness That could be this exact same thing here about the um, the powers of the heavens giving sevenfold light So that's very interesting. I need to go Look that up further and compare but Also verse 17 says and after that there'll be many Weeks without number forever and shall Be in goodness and righteousness And sin shall no more be mentioned Forever why because After the end of millennial reign As as we see in the description of week 10 on the left hand side of this slide The great white throne judgment Takes place and that's all All those who reject the creator And his ways From Adam to the point of the end of millennial reign They stand before Yeshua they're taken out of the game, they're thrown in the lake of fire, they're extinguished from existence, and everyone else that isn't has either partaken in the first or the second resurrection. The first resurrection happens at the beginning of the millennial reign, second resurrection happens at the end of the millennial reign. And those, if and if you weren't thrown in the lake of fire and you partake in one of those two resurrections, that means you have eternal life now, right? Because you've been abiding in the covenant and that's the reward of the covenant. Uh, thank you David David Sheer found the verse for me It's uh, Isaiah 30, 26 Moreover the light of the moon Shall be as the light of the sun The light of the sun should be sevenfold It's pretty interesting um, Yeah it looks like it's the same In the Septuagint too But So basically at the end of the millennial reign There's no more people causing problems Everyone will be made Like I said here the Eternal life ensues for everyone And you're made like Yeshua Like he was when he's resurrected so that means you're never going to do destructive behavior again. You're going to have the physical capability of the angels to be able to, trans- to, to transit, if you will, to, to go back between all the different levels of the creation. You can ascend to the throne of God and go hang out with the creator, the almighty, the father. You can hang out with the angels. You can hang out with the son of man, Yeshua, the, the Messiah, uh, the son of God. You can, you can do all of it. You can go anywhere you want, have a good time, right? It's a massive, massive creation that we live in, not just the earth, but all the other levels that the angels live in. Can you imagine, Maybe you walk up to an extremely powerful angel like Raguel um, and you say, Hey man, can I go like check out where you live? And he's like, sure, come on, let's go. I'll show you that. I'll show you where I live because Enoch saw them. I think it's an Enoch 42. Enoch saw the houses of the righteous in heaven, the angels. These are, cause like I've tried to explain, you know, over and over here on this channel that, these angels were created on day one. They're like us. I mean, they, they eat food, they drink water, they do the feast of the Lord, right? They have jobs, they have assignments, they have houses, they have land, they give first fruits, right? Which means they, what they have land that they grow stuff, right? They, they have their own. This is what Enoch describes and great to tell as well as other books in scripture explains to us like the Testament of Levi is really good at it too. Um, they're a part of a priesthood, which means they work with animals and they know how to cook and they, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they keep the feasts of God. Like I've said, like it's this, it's a real, it's not this Catholic version of Gnostic wispy ghost heaven. That's not what scripture describes. And what Enoch tries to describe to us is how all this and the 10th week is going to be fused together in a beautiful, full, complete creation where we're all perfected. Like Yeshua was, and we're all able to live in peace with everyone around us, whether, uh, you know, resurrected mankind or angelic kind or the almighty himself, right? We can all live in peace and hang out and enjoy eternal life. That's the, the beautiful promise. So thanks guys for, for, uh, allow me to go through that with you. Hopefully it's a blessing to you. And I'm going to see if anyone put any questions in the chat. Um, that was a very brief summary. Like I said, you know, I wanted to go through it briefly tonight because I could spend, I mean, literally we, we did an entire 20 episode. Uh, can't hide a break from hanging on his words. We did like 20 episodes on the road to rescue talking about just the day of the Lord. So the millennial reign and all the prophecies leading up to it. I mean, I could do a series for five years on that. So there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Um, guys, if you have any questions, make sure to put them in all caps. Right. So turn your caps lock on your keyboard, type out your question and all caps so that I can see it. And it stands out amongst all the other comments. All right. So let's see if I can find any in here. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, James. I appreciate it. Apparently it was so nice. No one had any questions. That's fine though. That's fine. You guys, if you have any other questions, um, whether it's about what we just talked about through the through Enoch uh, chapter 93, or if it's uh, anything pertaining to scripture, this is, this is your moment guys. This is your moment. If you have any questions. All right. looks like um, a big red G is asking, how is Jesus the creator and the father the creator at the same time? And that's where, um, from everything I understand, and if you haven't already seen this, brother, checkouts. Let me see if I can find the playlist for you. Go to my playlists and go to the the playlist hashtag son of the father. I've done a five-part series for you to check out, and I've scrutinized this idea from every angle. And let me find it real quick. And this, one second. Let me see if I can find this link for you real quick, copy link. So I'm going to drop it in the chat for you. Okay, brother. So this video series has five in the playlist and I go over who the son of man and who the son of God is from five different angles and who even the father is. And then to help you understand that he existed with the father before day one of creation. And that it's my understanding, in my opinion, that he helped his father create things. He was a part of that, which helps us understand Colossians chapter one and other other places and Enoch as well. But that's that's I know other people have a different take on it, but that's my understanding of it. That's my take on it of John chapter one and um, Colossians chapter one and also Enoch 48 and other places. OK, so go check out. I'm putting it in the, the chat right now. So go check that out. All right. So it looks like. Um, Bear Boggames is asking, what books are canon and which are not? Also, how come we can't see the other heavens with the exception of the stars? Lights in the sky, or excuse me, lights, etc. in the sky. I know they are far away, but still. All right, Bear bah games. I'm not sure um, how much you've watched our channel, but you're. I've got, man, I've got so many videos. Um, there's There's a lot of videos that deal with the creation model and go to my playlist where it says hashtag creation. And I have um, several different videos that explain the creation model. I also have um, a great video I'll drop here in the chat for you. It's part of my morning cup of context playlist. It's called new heaven and new earth. And I'm gonna copy the link address for you real quick and I'll drop it in for you. And I go over the different levels of heaven and how, how the creation model is described. That's a short answer to your question i just dropped that link there for you okay buddy so the short answer to your question i'm not sure if you're a man or a woman but um if we're talking about the other heavens it's the multiple layers of the firmament created above the one that we live in they're they're see-through they're clear that's um you see through them so that's how we see the sun moon and the stars we even see what well, in my opinion we see the waters above um and then you also see the stars behind that and so From what I from what I've studied, it seems as if the sun and moon, uh, the moon's on the second layer in the waters, the sun is above that in the third layer, and the stars are in the fifth layer. And there's a, and that I go over um, some of those scriptures in the video I, I dropped. And so that's a very short, brief description as far as what books are canon and which are not. That depends on where you grew up, which country you lived in, and you know if you're a Catholic or if you're a Protestant because they have different canons. Or are you a Um, it's how we heated, uh, Ethiopian, you know, Coptic Christian, because they have a completely different canon, right? An old, older Eastern Orthodox canon. So it just depends on when you grew up, what time period. So this is why you're welcome to go check out our playlist called honor of Kings. We have two full seasons for you. you can binge watch, binge watch, right? There's like 40 episodes. You can binge watch. And we go over the books that people call apocryphal or pseudopigraphal or deuterocanonical. We go over several of them and for, for two seasons, and we break them down and show them how they line up with the canon of 66 that we have in our American Bibles today. And so I've got two full seasons for you to check out, and that'll give you a better grasp on, on how we view the canon according to history and whether or not. What we what we would do as a litmus test, according to Deuteronomy 13, to determine if a book is scripture or not, right? So go check that out, brother, when you have a chance. So let me see here. What is... Brandon Donovan is asking, do you think the seven seals are the Olivet Discourse? Um, the seven seals are the Olivet Discourse. Not... I don't know if you're... I think you're trying to say... Because the Olivet discourse, Matthew twenty four, I mean, it goes, it goes all the way till to, to the Messiah returns. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the seventh seal that's opened, that's when you get the trumpet judgments, um, or not a part of them anyway. And then you also get the the bold judgments. So, uh, in my opinion, the bold judgments all happen on the very last day, and I think that's not really described in great detail in the Olivet Discourse. So, I mean, there's definitely parallels there, Brandon. Um, there's definitely parallels, though, but obviously Revelation kind of goes into it in much greater depth throughout, you know, the bulk of its chapters when it just defines the seals, the trumpets, trumpets, and the bowl judgments. Um, same thing for uh, the Apocalypse of Abraham, chapters 29, 30, and 31. Uh, same thing for 2nd Baruch, chapters 27. I think it's verses 1 through 13. And so, yeah, there's, uh, it's kind of like a parallel chapter, I guess. Maybe that's a, It's just not as detailed. All right. All right. Widow King is asking in Mark 15, verse verse 34, why did his father forsake him? Um, And this is obviously the famous passage from Yeshua on the cross. And it's why did his father forsake him? Did he really forsake him? Yeshua is is repeating scripture he's on the cross. He, he repeats part of Psalm 22. He repeats uh, um, a couple. Of, I can't remember the other one he repeats, but he's actually quoting scripture he's on the cross. And he, the, obviously Yahweh did not forsake his son, but there is in a moment of human weakness, as we see from Hebrews, where it says that we have a high priest who, who uh, suffered this life as we do and had his own weak, his own weaknesses. And even though he was tempted, he did not sin he cried out in, you know, at this moment of death. So it's a, it's a unique moment where he is basically um he's not, he, he, he I mean, he obviously knows the father didn't really forsake him. I mean, this is why he gets resurrected three days later. Uh, and he goes into Sheol, in my opinion, with a message uh, for those who spirits that are imprisoned long ago and so he knows what's going on the whole time. In fact, before in the garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, he's praying for the cup to pass from him from what's about to happen because he knows what's prophesied of what will happen to the Messiah, which is him. And so he knows he's stepping into all this, and he knows on the other side of it is him being glorified and resurrected, right? Some of it I just mentioned in 1st 93, there's other places in scripture where it's expounded upon that he is promised this high priesthood role and he's promised to be ascended and sit at the right hand of the father in this priesthood in to, um, to rule and reign with the father under his authority, obviously. And that, that is part of the narrative for the Messiah himself. And Yeshua hundred percent knew all this. He spoke about a lot of it and he knew what he had to go do. So did he really believe the father forsook him? He did. He did speak these, these ideas, uh, while he was quoting scripture, but I personally don't believe that he actually thought the father forsook him. He's just in a moment of extreme agony and literally at the throat, the throat gruddles of death, you know what I'm saying? And so he's about to give up his spirit. And as he says that he does and says all things so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And so we're at a disadvantage today that we don't, there's been a lot of, tinkering with the old Testament and I did an entire show on this. All right. So I don't know if he said that specifically to fulfill some prophecy in the old Testament, or if he's just literally repeating some of the things that were prophesied about him in the old Testament for people around him to know that they're watching fulfillment of prophecy. Right. So it's kind of a unique It's just, um My, my take on it, my opinion, I hope it's a decent answer for you. Um, Cindy Hogland is asking, what do you say to people who think Enoch shouldn't be read? I would say those folks have uh, believed the uninformed rhetoric. So if you have not read first Enoch, that's usually people that say you shouldn't read it (laughs) because they don't understand it. They haven't read it. And many times they don't understand the old Testament prophets to understand how Enoch is just, is talking about all the same things that we see in Ezekiel, Jeremiah and Isaiah, you know, and, and uh, uh, Amos and Zechariah and, you know, all the same things, all of them. In fact, I have on our Facebook page on kingdom of context on Facebook, I have loaded up in the pictures of that Facebook page. It's like a hundred and twenty-seven, 123 or 127 parallels from start to finish in Enoch paralleling those passages within the American Canon of 66 and other books of the prophets to show you how it's the same message, the same prophecies. It's all this exact same. So I, in fact, I, I did a bait. I did a debate last year, Almost a year ago um, with a gentleman that he does not believe Enoch is scripture or inspired, and through the course of the debate, he revealed that he truly hadn't studied it that well um, but he had read books about Enoch that he thought you know proved why we shouldn't uh, believe Enoch is legit, but when it came down to it, he himself had not studied it through his own words, like you know with much love and respect to the guy, you know um uh, I think he's you know he's a great guy and everything. He just kind of stepped into a conversation that he had studied it this much, and I've studied it this much, right? So it was kind of a a difference in perspective of realizing just how much that book is saying exactly the same stuff as the Old Testament prophets and Yeshua. And so, yeah, that would say they were they have that that disposition, Cindy, because they are they have uninformed rhetoric, right? They've believed negative stuff other people have said about it who are uninformed so let's see if i can find another quick question um a big red g is asking what's your favorite scripture book brother that's just way too it's way too difficult to say um there's so many man it's like um there's bro there's so many like because I, I I love my Messiah and he's my high priest. I mean Leviticus and Hebrews are like hand in hand tandem. Um, you know this. You know Genesis and Jubilees. They're like hand in hand tandem. I mean it's just it's Psalm, Psalms is beautiful. That's great man. It's it's really hard to pin down one. Um, all right. So Sky the Dome Watcher is asking. Can you clarify that on this? On can you clarify that on second resurrection? all all will be resurrected righteous and the wicked to be judged yes so yes everyone that has died at the at the end of the millennial reign the second resurrection includes two groups it includes all of the righteous and the unrighteous so everyone that's died um during the millennial reign they're take part in the that's considered righteous you know that's doing covenant behavior and believing in faith and obedience that you know They'll receive the reward of the covenant, which is eternal life. They're going to be raised to eternal life, right? They're considered the righteous, but then everyone else who has died from Adam all the way to that point, that's considered unrighteous. They're pulled out of Sheol. That's including the rebellious angels. the unclean spirits, Satan himself. Um, They're pulled out of Sheol, judged, sentenced, thrown in the lake of fire, extinguished from existence. No, never going to cause problems again. Like, like we just read in first Enoch 93, sin will, Will be never mentioned on the earth ever again, right? It'll be a beautiful time. So, uh, let me see. Hope that was a good answer for you, sister. Let me see if. Uh, Kingdom Truther is asking in Jubilee seven thirty nine. Also, give the command. My sons, Enoch commanded his sons in the first Jubilee while still living in the seventh and the seventh in his generation, until the day of his death. Enoch had a mortal death. Yes, Enoch is dead. I did a um, just two weeks ago on Milk and Meat, our Friday night live stream. It's it's in my most recent videos. Uh, it says where is Enoch now, and I review all the scriptures about where Enoch is now. So it's a great one to go check out for your brother. Looks like Callie J is asking Chapter sixty nine and six, Enoch. What are your thoughts on Gadreel leading Eve astray? Uh, very simple. I believe that Gadriel is just another name, another synonym for Satan. Just like we see Azazel, uh, the serpent, the dragon, Mastema, Jubilee's causing Mastema. Um, and I'm going to do another uh, video. I think it's next week. I'm gonna do a video on Satan and we're going to go over all that kind of stuff. So I'll expound with much more detail next week. Uh, let me see here. Bear games is asking land beyond Antarctica, eating at the North pole tree of life. I, that's, if you guys could, um, no offense, brother or sister, but let's let's ask. Uh, try to make it a coherent question, so I know exactly you know what you're trying to ask. Um, and also, this this would be another question that you'd ask that pertains to the creation model. And without going into it, a full on description of the creation model tonight, um, please go check out my um, go check out my playlist called the Creation hashtag the Creation. Uh, go check out my interview with Rose triple seven. I think I did it like two weeks ago. We talk about this stuff as well. And uh, I think you'll enjoy that interview because we do talk about land outside of Antarctica. Yes or no. And also check out my creation playlist, okay? That'll really help you out. Let me see here. Okay. The Red G is asking, do you think that the serpent in Genesis, the Bigot Eve, was a real physical being for something more philosophical? No, it's a real physical serpent who is influenced by Azazel, or uh, I.E. Satan, and we see that in not only it's inferred in the Book of First Enoch, but it's also um, uh, spoken out in the Apocalypse of Abraham, right, with with detail. So that's so just like. um just like a donkey was used to bring about, you know, a warning to Balaam, um, a serpent was influenced by an evil angel to wrongly influence Eve. You see what I'm saying? So this is where I believe there's there's all these characters involved. There's Adam, there's Eve. There, there is a true serpent, but there's also this angel that is trying to. Use the serpent as his proxy this is why the book of jubilees in chapter 12 or chapter 3 it talks about how when adam and eve were kicked out of the garden of eden that all the animals lost their ability to speak on that day so what would that possibly mean guys is it possible i'm gonna go with <laughs> the, the whole leading question that uh you, you know ancient aliens is famous for is it possible that when the new jerusalem the garden of eden bigger and expanded comes back down as the new jerusalem at the uh, beginning of the millennial reign and all the animals that come and it says in isaiah 11 and other places that they're at peace that they'll minister to mankind they'll no longer have violent tendencies toward mankind is it possible that the father will allow them to speak again could be a very very interesting millennial reign guys very interesting because he's trying to get everything back to good remember after he created everything in genesis 1 Each day he finished, he's like, ah, it's good. He made it good. So when everything was made good and nothing went wrong yet, the animals were talking with mankind. So is it possible they'll be talking again, the millennial reign? I don't know. All I know is my wife would love that because she surely wants to talk to her doggos and probably some like pygmy goats that she'll have in the millennial reign. She'll be talking with them all. All right. So, Whittle King is asking: Is there an online source for the Septuagint? Uh, sure, sure, brother. Like, uh, go to BibleHub.com and the Brenton Septuagint from the 1850s is one of the parallel translations you can look up. Um, there's other different translations online that you can look up. Um, you can. I, I personally, I, I bought the. Uh, Where to go? I bought the um, the New English Translation of the Septuagint. I do not recommend that one. <laughs> it's called the Nets N E T S, the New English Translation of the Septuagint. I do not recommend that one. Actually, it's a really poor Septuagint translation, so stay away from that one. Um, there's other ones out there, uh, but the, you know, they're they're online as well. Yes. All right. Let's see if there's a couple more questions here. Yes, Kimberly. Exactly. Um, the the lion. You know, probably will speak, the lambs will speak, and and I bet they have cute little accents. So I, I bet I'm thinking that it'll be restored back to the way it was in the garden. Uh thank you, Big Reggie. G. I appreciate you, brother. Blue Doves is asking a question if you feel like Sean, can you go over the last few weeks of the prophecy and how the millennial reign and the second death judgment fit in the timeline? If that's a big question, sister. I don't know if it's brother or sister, but blue doves, that's a big question. Um I actually do all that. And can you go over the last few weeks of the prophecy? I'm guessing you're at time about the prophecy of 1st t 93 that I went over tonight. Um, but I, I, I don't know if your question was from earlier. I can't tell if it was from earlier or not, but I, I did speak on all that. So it, maybe you just got here to the broadcast. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember if I saw you the, at the beginning of the broadcast, and, but yeah, I, I did speak on all these ideas, but also I go to new heaven and new earth. Um, it's the video, just type in new heaven, new earth, kingdom and context, or you can go to my playlists under morning cup of context. And it's like the second video in that playlist, new heaven, new earth. And I go over, um, I go over the, the time period leading up to the return of the Lord and the dissension of new Jerusalem and the gathering of the nations, the sheep and goat judgments and all that kind of stuff. And I do it with graphics and, A timeline, and I think you might really be blessed by it. So go check that out if you have a chance. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. If you find out, Bobby Mo, my wife would like to know too. So she's trying to get into the pygmy goat game at some point. All right. Looks like uh, Josh Pasek is asking, recently heard the things that seem to point that we shouldn't eat meat. Uh, Do you think that we should stop eating meat? Absolutely not. Why? Because the Father does the law of God. And the law of God that was given from mankind or from heaven to mankind has instructions for eating clean meats. You see that? So a burnt offering on the ground is something that they take the portion of the of the clean meat in Leviticus chapter 1. And the priesthood would take that portion that's dedicated to Yahweh and they give it to Yahweh, right? He's not there because he can't be around them. Otherwise, everybody would die, right? But this is role play. This is practice, Leviticus 18, 4 and 5, that we would practice his statutes and judgments. Part of that is the priesthood. Part of that is doing these sacrifices that he calls worship, which truly it's just making a meal for the father, right? You're just preparing a meal you've got the, the proper cooks which are the priests you got the instructions for the proper seasoning the proper ingredients the you know what kind of meat it should be you got the time of day that you should do it the season of the year that you should do it right like if it's a special occasion you also have which portion goes to the people which portion goes to the priest which portion goes to the lord so this is where it's a meal you're making with your heavenly father just like we this is why it's ingrained in humanity to just have a meal with fan, friends and family and just fellowship right? There's a bonding that naturally happens when you eat a meal with somebody. And that's the way it's designed. It's a part of the father's law of liberty, right? That he would actually say, Hey, I want to have a meal with you. I get a portion, you get a portion. And if you cook it right and you do it right, it's going to be amazing. And it will bless you and it'll make him happy. So that's why you have the burnt offering that would have been, it's the father's portion. And it's my understanding that once we're, can be with the Father, it won't be a burnt offering. It'll actually just be His portion that He eats with us because we'll actually be next to Him as opposed to just symbolically putting it there for Him, right? And then we eating our portion because we're still mortal. We're still here on the earth plane. Um, we're not glorified in our resurrected bodies that could be around Him yet. So this is why we're practicing right now. So this is why, for if people that come along and say that we shouldn't eat meat, they have not read scripture. I've actually uh, did a, I can't remember can't remember which one it was, but I actually went over this on our one of our milk and meat episodes where I show from the Greek in Genesis chapter one verse 29 and 30 that it does it's uh, from the Greek Setuagint. it the Masoretic makes it look really weird and makes it seem like uh, there's a differentiation between Adam being told he can eat the green herbs and other things and that he can't eat the meats, but that's not correct. That's what people infer from the strain the difficult wording. But the Greek Septuagint, in its pure form, it just shows you that it's just saying you can eat from the fruit-bearing trees. You can eat, you know, all all the things that are considered clean meats. You can eat them, uh, the winged birds, the ant, land animals, everything. And this is why Noah, before the flood, tenth from Adam, knew what clean and unclean was. This is why we can see Adam coming out of the Garden of Eden, knowing how to do uh, stuff, priestly duties on the sanctuary. This is why we can see Enoch being considered a priest, a part of a priesthood um, who would be able to do sacrifices. Just is why Noah knew what animals to use to do sacrifices, which means some of these sacrifices you eat of, okay? So this is, uh, eating meat is not bad. It's literally a part of the design of the creation. And there's a ton of nutrients in it and iron and, and minerals that are good for you. And it's just, what has come around from ancient India from actual uh, Hindu beliefs is this idea of vegetarian or vegan Atmosphere, And that is a growing in our culture today to get, to get people away from eating meat. Why would that matter? Just like all other attacks on the scriptures to get people away from doing the behavior of the creator that is attacked as well. They don't want you to eat meat <laughs> because it is good for you in a variety of ways. They they want you to be depleted of nutrients. They want it's it's an attack, right? And especially if you thought eating meat was bad, which we've run into a lot of believers that have been convinced of this bad ideology, this bad diet ideology, and and I know a lot of people right now are probably triggered in the comments, but I'm sorry. Um, they also think that sacrifices was evil, because that's how far they have to take it to make sense of it. When the father says that his sacrifices, which Simply is the same process that you and I do when we go to the store and we buy, you know, lamb or steak or chicken. It's the same process. So for people to come along and say, oh, man, that was so evil of the father to say, you know, I want you to take an animal and properly hygienically slaughter it and cut it into portions and hygienically prepare the meat and sprinkle salt and proper seasonings on it and bring some wine and some bread and have a meal with me, and that he's just evil for demanding that. And you're like, bro, have you read the Old Testament? Have you truly read it, or are you just listening to what other people say about it? Because that's literally what we do every day. We go to the store, we buy food, drink and wine, we come home, we prepare it. There's nothing different. It's just you have a specific guy that he wants to prepare, it. it's a priest with a specific recipe. Uh, yes, and on a specific grill. <laughs> but at the same time, it's generally the same idea. There's nothing extraordinary about it right? And it's definitely not cannibalism. It's just what we all know and do in our lives. And this is, it's just, it's a beautiful thing, but there is an attack on that because um, the enemy tries to attack everything the Father says is good, you know? So hopefully that's a decent answer for you, brother. All right, let me see if I'll take a couple more and then we'll, we'll stop for the night. Looks like It's like Brandon Donovan is asking, who do you think, who do you think Gog of Magog is? Do you think there is two Gog of Magog wars? No, I think Ezekiel 38 and 39 is referencing um, some of the specific, I think it's another moniker for the Antichrist um, just because he has a whole bunch of different names and different cultures. And I think that that is the battle that's leading up to uh, the day of the Lord. Because if you look at the structure, the actual details of that battle And how the fire and the brimstone falls from heaven And the, the slain dead The birds eat their carcasses And that kind of stuff that's, that's the same stuff we read in Revelation Leading up to the return of Yeshua um, I think it's the same It's just another description from Ezekiel Because all these prophets saw the same vision Over and over and over Much of it was of the day of the Lord stuff So I, I don't think it's two different wars I think it's Ezekiel 38 and 39 Are just talking about the day of the Lord stuff So all right, I'll take a one more question, guys. I really appreciate everybody asking questions and, and being in the chat and maintaining the good fruits of the spirit and you know what I'm saying and, and asking good sincere questions. It's uh it's really encouraging to see. Thanks for joining me here on this podcast tonight. And um Christian D, I'm not ignoring your question, brother. I just can't understand that I mean, bro, there's that's uh two full chapters and I, we've actually gone over that entire book in honor of King season one. So I don't know exactly what within those two full chapters that you're talking about other than, yeah, I mean, there's, there's two different inheritances like being mentioned, but we do address all that stuff. in I think it's like from episode 16 to episode 20 where we are reviewing the book of Enoch in, or in great depth. So go check out season one of honor of Kings. We go through it line by line and compare it with the scriptures in the modern American canon of 66. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, guys. Um, thank you for being here. Hopefully everyone had a good time. And uh, yeah, James Henry, it's, it's the stuff that they, how they process our meat that makes it bad, but meat by itself raised, you know, naturally is not bad. And, uh, and yes, it is some of the most nutrient-dense food out there. It's it's a, it's good for you. It literally is. God designed it like that because he knew that he wanted a nation of kingdom, excuse me, a kingdom of priests, right? What's the promise of the covenant that we see repeated in, in uh, Exodus 19, 5? That you become a nation, a kingdom of priests, right? That's all of what we're going to be as we are resurrected into our glorified bodies and get our you know, get our inheritance, which is to be able to live inside the new Jerusalem with the father and the son of the angels. We'll be in that priesthood with them. We'll be in this Bechalcedek priesthood with Yeshua. And part of a priest's job is to prepare meals for the father and for other people in this concept called worship. So hopefully it's been encouraging to you guys tonight. Um, and just remember that uh, the father, his, his, information, his his words to us, they're life-giving. They, they give us liberty. Uh, they're for our benefit. If you go to them trying to understand them, look for the context, it'll greatly help you. But if you go to them trying to, um, if you already think they're bad and you're trying to pick them apart, you'll never, you know, it won't benefit you. You'll never understand it. You'll just constantly find new excuses to think that there's something bad or wrong with it. But ultimately, if you go, if you go to it with just an open heart, to say, look, man, I, you know, I'd like to understand this and know it. And then you look for context, read the whole chapter, read the surrounding chapters, parallel chapters and other books that talk about the same concept, concepts. You're going to find understanding, right? Because context creates comprehension. And that's what uh, we always try to remind everybody. Um, join me. On, don't forget guys on Friday, which is July 3rd, we'll be doing part two of our serpent seed. So make sure you check that out and I don't see scrolling back up to see if I missed any questions that I may be able to address real quick. I want to give everybody a chance if I can. Not that I have the perfect answers, but I'll try to do my best to give you scriptural references or a video that I've already made. Um, All right. I don't see I don't see anything else, guys. So I really appreciate you. And hope you all have a blessed night tonight. Oh, Royce Bale is asking about Jephthah's sacrifice. I thought I saw one. Um. yes brother I've done an entire video let me find it for you okay we've done an entire video on this he did not sacrifice his daughter that's against Torah both he and the priests would have been killed for even trying that he dedicated his daughter according to Leviticus 26 to the temple for service just like um, Hannah did with Samuel and first uh, Samuel so let me find that um, playlist is in kingdom, kingdom portions it's one of our videos we went over in kingdom portions let me find it for real quick And I'll drop that link in the chat for you. We go over this in great depth, okay? And there it is. I'll copy the link real quick and put it in the chat for you. All right. There it is. Okay, brother? So go check that out. If you want a greater, longer, in-depth answer, we go all the scriptures for you. And uh, hopefully it'll benefit you. Okay, guys? All right. Thanks for joining me, everyone. And we hope to see you here uh, tomorrow night uh, for another Hopefully a beneficial episode of Kingdom Cast.